welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And welcome to season three. This is our first time recording together for season three since we did interviews for our first two episodes. So welcome, welcome. We are very excited. Were you really nervous to record your interview alone? I was a little nervous not having you there just because like the intro and outro you always do. I was really nervous too. I feel like if, especially when we interviewed our first interview for season two, we got to play off each other when we were like kind of, I don't know, ran out of things to say or responses. But I was like, oh my God, what's this dead silence? And also I just talked way too fast the whole interview, but it went back. Like when I re-listened to it last week, I was like, oh, it's much better than I thought it was. I recently read The Hollow Vows. I was nervous because that's described as YA. And I'm not really like that big into the fantasy YA, like more adult YA because I like the smut. But I looked at her other books and it was all like those books with like naked people, shirtless men on top. And I'm like, well, there has to be some spun in this. If she's normally writing really adult romance book, there has to be some. And there was like, it wasn't as smutty as From Blood and Ash and from um, A Court of Silver Flames. But- It had some like spice in it, like it had some sexual tension. It, I feel like it would be more on the border of Crescent City where it's like a lot of sexual desire, but they never commit the act yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked The Hollow Vows. I, that was probably like my favorite read besides Stone of Glass this past summer. I feel like we really took a summer break. We're back. We're back. We are back. Yeah, I read so much in September and then I haven't read recently. So I need to read these Hollow Vows and I need to finish the From Blood and Ash series. Did you start the second book? No, I haven't started it yet. I I just decided I'm gonna wait till after. I'm gonna we'll just do the podcast on what's it called? An ember shadow and ember or shadow, shadow and ember. ember. Yeah, you don't need to read the whole series for that one. This is a prequel. Okay, a shadow and the ember. But yeah, I'm actually gonna probably start it tonight because it's a pretty thick book. But I read from Blood and Ass really fast, so I think it won't be that bad. But this week we're talking about as good as dead. Which we're excited because we've pretty much been doing every book of the series and every season of our podcast has kind of just coincided with the release date. So you're excited to cover this. And I do really like the series, but this is my least favorite book of them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally the first book I loved. You knew how much I loved Pip, Robbie, all of it. Second book I loved. I got to the end of the second book. I immediately pre-ordered this third book. I mean, like as soon as I finished the last word, I got on my phone and pre-ordered this book. And I was so excited for this, this one. And I just feel like the author went somewhere. I never wanted her to go. <laughs> like she did it well. I'm not criticizing her work, but more her vision. I just wasn't on board with. Yeah, so spoiler warning, we will be ruining the entire book. So if you have not read this book, do not listen any further because there's just no way to talk about this book without being like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, I just can't believe Pip murdered somebody and like she literally (laughs) got away with murder. Like a good girl's guide to murder. That was it. It was a good girl's guide to murder. (laughs) So that's why I say I don't criticize the author's work because I think the way she wrote it and tied it all back together, like literally back to the title of her first book. I was so impressed by that. I mean, I always thought it was a little weird how she called her podcast, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. But after reading this, 
it all makes sense. And you wonder, did the author know what she was doing the whole time? Because, yeah, I mean, she tied it together really well. Even the clues that we learned about in the first book that I definitely forgot, like we had to be reminded, it just tied in perfectly. And we always said this in the past podcast, like something was up with Jason Bell. Also, mm-hmm. I thought something was up with um, what the police officer name. Daniel Da Silva. Yeah, I, I thought he was up to something too. But <laughs> between the two of them, one of them was up to something. Yeah. And I don't know what I thought because like last book, we had like a random evil guy. Like we never heard of him before. You weren't attached to him or any sense. And then I did not expect it to be what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm actually- kind of still blown away with it. Actually, think about it now. So my mom is listening to this series on tape right now and she just got through the first book. And so I was kind of listening in and I didn't recall this at all. But when Pip first starts looking into Andy's disappearance, she interviews Stanley Forbes, who, you know, in the last book we learn is Child Brunswick or whatever. So it's like the book, she starts off her first interview in the first book is with Stanley Forbes. And she actually brings up the DT killer, the Stratford Strangler in that interview, which I'd completely forgotten about because it was just this passing comment that she made to Stanley. And it was funny because like, as my mom was listening to it, I audibly gasped (laughs) behind my mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Because obviously this one's all about the DT killer and just weird listening back to the first book and you pick up on things that actually come into play in this book again didn't love this book because like you said Pip got away with murder (laughs) but um, but yeah I mean Jason Bell was always sketchy I guess I guess something had to happen there the thing is like we said this after the first book we're like how do you continue the series is this just a money grab because we read the first book and we're like okay she solved the murder what is she going to do now? So we didn't really know where the book was going to go. And we were so pleasantly surprised by book two because she took it and ran with it. And it was nothing like the first book, but it was so good. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know where she would go with this book because she basically solved two murders already. Yeah. And again, like, yeah. where was she going to go? So I, I guess I couldn't, I couldn't tell her, I couldn't give her any more ideas of where to go. I, I couldn't rewrite it or like other books you recommend, like, oh, we would have preferred this, this, and this. But yeah, no, Pip becoming a murderer was not what I envisioned for our lovely Pip. Like, oh, because Pip and Robbie are my favorite couple. This book emphasized that, though. Like, their love is just so pure. And I I just can't get enough of it. But whenever they did break up at the end of the book for a year, it broke my heart. I was like, Pip, just just be with Robbie. Y'all just be like Bonnie and Clyde. Just, just go. Just be with him. I mean, I personally was kind of mad at Pip at the end of the book because she pulls Ravi into this. She makes him get his hands dirty with the murder and makes him help her. And then as soon as they're like kind of in the clear, she goes, okay, Ravi, final, final step. Now we're going to break up. (laughs) Pip, he's literally your ride or die. He literally is helping you hide a body and get away with murder. You cannot just break up with him now. Yeah, like, I just feel like you're, you're stuck with that person forever. Like, you're marrying them. If you like them or not, you're going to marry that person. Yeah. I was also thinking when I was listening, or reading in this book, is who would I call in that position? Uh-huh. I think I'd call my mom. Yeah, yeah. I 
I would just hope I'd never be in that position. Should I should I text my mom now and be like, if I committed murder, would you help me hide the body? <laughs> well, I will emphasize though, I don't actually think Pip murdered Jason Bell. I would, if I had been on the jury, I would have said it was basically self-defense. I get that he wasn't attacking her when she swung the hammer, but I mean, think of a scenario in your head where she's running by foot to get away. He catches up with her. He's a much bigger male, big man. She's just a small little girl. You know, we imagine her in overalls and pigtails. So I imagine she's this tiny little thing. He could have overpowered her and killed her. So I would, I didn't blame her for taking her chance and taking him out. But at that point, I, I mean, at that point, you have a decision to make. Do you report it to the police and say, hey, this guy kidnapped me and we struggled and I killed him? Or do you literally try and get away with it like she did? And that's, that's just where, I, like I said, I didn't like the direction the author went because the Pip and Robbie from book one were so much more innocent and just wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have done that. They would have looked at it and been like, no, we need to do the right thing. And here they went a completely different direction. Whenever this happened in the middle of the book, it was only 200 pages in that she was taken and killed him. So then I was like, well, what's the half of the book going to be? And for a minute, I thought that she was going to call the police and be like this big court case. And that was going to be her next podcast was like going to be defending herself, Mm -hmm. showing the evidence that he is the DT killer. But yeah, no, I was very shook where it went. I I mean, I would have called the cops and taken my chances. Yeah. And I do get it. I, I was actually telling my mom, I feel like the second book really bridges the gap from the innocent Pip of book one to the murderous Pip of book three, because, you know, in the second book, I remember saying this when we recorded the podcast for the second book, I said, it really feels like we grew up with Pip in the second book. Like she really grew up. She became a little darker. Um, She lost her innocence. You know, she, she was almost killed and she saw someone killed. And so I understand how the author went the direction she did, but I still feel like she could have done this book differently. She could have dragged out the first half of the book and made that the entire book. And then in the last 75%, Pip gets taken and, you know, Pip escapes and you learn who the DT killer is. And instead it's like you said, 200 pages in. So 50% of the way of done, less than 50% is when Pip got taken. And I was, I mean, I was with you as like, what's going to happen now She's not going to be kidnapped for 200 pages, right? Because that'd be stressful. But instead, it was kind of worse because I had to live through the stress of her hiding from the police and doing things where she could get caught, which just really stressed me out. Also, yeah, like how did, I don't know how she planned everything out. I don't know how she got away with it. I, I guess maybe I'm just not that smart, but I would not think of all the little things she thought about. But I guess it goes back to she's been studying murder for, what, two years at that point. Like, she she knew how to get away with it. It really is just the title. I can't, I'm just, I'm shocked. I kind of, I, I really want to know if she plotted all three books out before she wrote them all. Mm-hmm. Did she see this coming? I guess she did because she brought up, I don't remember them bringing up the DT uh, murderer. 
in book one at all. I didn't remember it either. And you know what else happened in book one that I didn't remember? Becca dated Stanley in book one. Becca, like, like little Becca? Little Becca. Little Becca, who's now in prison for killing Andy. When Pip first meets Becca, again, my mom's listening to it. So that's the only reason I know. See, this is like at the start of the book when she sees Becca and she goes up to her and they start talking about, you know, her capstone project. And Becca mentions like, oh, you're the girl looking into my sister's murder. And Pip's like, oh, how do you know that? And Becca goes, oh, I'm kind of seeing Stanley Forbes right now. And you learn they've been on like two dates. And it's just like, what? (laughs) Um, Because I imagine Stanley is like a 40 year old man or 35. And I imagine Becca's a 16 year old kid, 18 years old. So I don't know. It was just weird to hear that because I'd forgotten details like that. Well, I guess because Nat was dating that drug dealer and he and Stanley were in like the same year of birth because they're both like suspects of Charlie. So I guess he's not that old, but I do picture Becca being like younger than Pip. Yeah, I do too. I don't know why. So that is weird. I I think that is weird. I forgot about that as well. Okay, so I guess also the thing that just really struck me is how just she just showed up at her friend's doors and was like hey like help me make alibis and they were like so about it which I get but like what would you do if I did that to you I mean I would do it I for my friends I don't think I would think twice about that sort of thing if someone said hey I need your help you can't ask me any questions I just need you to say you were with me as long as like it was kind of believable I'd be like yeah sure I was with you that's fine (laughs) like (laughs) I really feel like I'm that kind of way and you know Pip didn't put like Kara and Naomi she didn't put them in a bad position because she was not asking them to lie she was basically just asking them not to ask questions because you know she was saying look at the time when the police ask you don't have to lie. This is the time I was with you. All I need from you basically is to just act normal and don't ask me any questions. So it wasn't, I don't feel like as big of a deal as her saying, oh, can you lie for me? It was more just, can you admit the truth? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely do it too. I definitely would like kind of be like Kara where she was very hesitant about what was just going on. She was just like, she would just stare at Pip and being like, is this for real? Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be me being like, uh, are, you, are, we, are we really doing this? I uh, thought it was a little weird how Jamie and Connor were so on board with everything. Because, I mean, I understand she found Jamie or Connor or whoever was missing in the last book. But I don't really think of them as being that close to her. And so when they were just like, yeah, we'll not take cell phones out to this random place in the country you're asking us to go. We'll keep our cell phones off. That would have freaked me out because I would have been like, are you setting me up for something? You know, like, am I going to get murdered out there? But they were very trusting it. I mean, I'm glad they helped her. I'm not, the thing is, I'm not mad she got away with it because Jason Bell was a bad man, right? He he killed multiple women. Um, he tried to kill Pip. I'm not mad that she got away with it. It just felt really out of character. And also, I I didn't feel bad for Max Hastings because he sucks. He's a rapist. He's horrible. 
but also like the guy was actually innocent here and um, Pip like totally framed him for murder it was just a weird gray area I think that was kind of the point of the book though because she was living in these gray areas where she was sympathizing with Charlie and she was like I would do anything if someone killed my brother and but like she's also felt bad for Stanley Forbes and she was like kind of living in this gray area and that's why she thought this case would be black and white because it would be like her against the bad guy and then it just became like even bigger gray area yeah I actually read the author's um note at the end her acknowledgments and thank yous and stuff and she puts a blurb in there about basically how she feels the criminal justice system really fails people of these sorts of crimes, sexual assaults and, and other crimes too. But just, she said, you know, without giving my opinion, I think what I wrote in this book speaks for itself. And basically, you know, Pip's whole thing was she's gone to the police multiple times. She's tried to tell the police multiple times that something's going on and no one ever believes her. So it got to a point where she was like, okay, well, they're just not going to believe me. I have to take matters into my own hands. And I don't obviously know how true that is in the criminal justice system because every town is different. Sometimes you have good cops, sometimes you have bad cops, but I do, I can see how you would get in that position if you really felt like no one's gonna believe me. I just have to do this myself. It's, I mean, I don't know if I could pull it off because I think I would just, it would stress me out too much. I couldn't live with it. Just after the fact, the whole waiting to see if I'm caught would just make me alive. The anxiety I couldn't handle. I kind of think it's crazy that Pip had Xanax addiction. Yeah. It was kind of brushed over whenever she told Robbie too. Like, he's like, I just wish you had told me. That's like really serious. <laughs> it's a Xanax addiction. I mean, that stuff's bad. If she'd had a prescription, you know, it would have been fine. I, I was a little frustrated that her her doctor told her basically to find a different way to deal with it. I mean, what other way is there to deal with it? She went to therapy. That didn't work. The only thing that worked was the pills. She could have been taking them more safely if the doctor did just stick with it and give her a small dosage. It was a point where she bought really hard stuff from this drug dealer. And it was just, it also went against, I feel like, her morals because it all started with Max Hastings selling drugs. I know. when. So when um, Luke, her drug dealer, offered her the roofie pills I was like oh don't take those don't take those pip like I was so panicked I feel like when your drug dealer starts offering you other things maybe that should be a wake-up call that you have a problem and I really felt like pip from book one would have recognized she had a problem and tried to fix it and the pip in book three just she just kept thinking something else would fix it instead of taking steps to solve it. So again, I didn't really like this book as much because I didn't think Pip and Ravi were true to themselves, but it could also just be a natural progression from, from the second book. I don't know. Yeah. I've never, I mean, I've never seen someone get shot. I've never, never murdered anybody. So I, I can't relate (laughs) and how much that would change you. But I mean, I did love how their their love was true. I did like that he texted her three minutes after the final verdict. But yeah, 
I kind of wish I w- had more of a, a synopsis, like a, not a synopsis. Um, epilogue? Yes. Like, I wish I had a little bit more of an epilogue where, I don't know, like she, we got to the point in the book where she completely isolated herself from everybody. And that's just something you just like pop back into everyone's life. People kind of get pissed off at that, especially mm-hmm. people who basically just like helped you commit murder. Right. And she just, <laughs> and she did it for their best interest, but they didn't know that they just kind of like it looked like she was thrown off to college and just cut them all out and yeah I would have liked to see her just rebuild her life a little especially her family she just didn't go home for any holidays she didn't answer her parents calls her and Robbie broke up for over a year like I just would have liked more of a I guess a happy ending considering we've been through so much with her yeah no I agree I felt like the ending like I I told my mom the ending was not ambiguous because we had a clear ending when Robbie sent the text but at the same time it was still kind of left up to the reader's interpretation about does Pip get her life back I mean I based on the text I'm fairly confident her and Robbie are getting back together because you know he called her Sarge he texted her immediately but I agree agree that there wasn't a great resolution like I didn't walk away from the book like okay it all worked out everything's good I kind of left the book still stressed (laughs) we've just been through so much with her and you just want some closure yeah like I I agree she almost died the first she's almost died three times now I just wanted a happy ending I mean, I'm glad that her and Robbie, like, it does seem like they're going to be together, but, like, they're my favorite book couple. Even in this book, when they weren't truly really themselves, she kept them saying he was her home, and the spot in his neck was like that. Her was, like, his her favorite place to be. Their hands fit perfectly together. Like, it was just, in the middle of this murder book was this beautiful relationship that, like, they truly leaned on each other. And then she just broke up with him, and then we didn't even get, like, they rode off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say they're no longer my favorite book couple. <laughs> I really liked them in the first two. The, their relationship in this one to me is very twisted. Like when they hold hands in their latex gloves. And I'm like, you're wearing latex gloves because you just moved a dead body. I can't forget that. Like, yes, you're being cute and holding hands, but you literally just picked up a dead body. Marissa, I thought you were queen of thriller. That doesn't make your heart melt. It was it was cute in a twisted way. Oh my gosh. No, I did like how she, you know, called him her person and you know talked about her head fitting in the crook of his neck and all that stuff. And I love to um all their silent I love you's like the way they could say I love you without saying it. I liked all that. Again, though, we're we're experiencing it in the context of a murder. <laughs> so it's just, you know, if 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 that's what floats your boat, it's a very cute story. <laughs> I think just my Scorpio heart just loves the intensity of their love. Like it's just so much yeah. passion. And I think the murder even heightens that. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's so romantic. Oh, I want I, someone who I would commit murder with me. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, they are funny. I still like them, but they're very different in this book. Don't you want somebody that you can just like, if you commit murder, they would just drive, no questions asked, and then make jokes with you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but on the flip side, the thing is that I always think about, like, on the flip side, what if I was with someone who committed murder and then he was just wanting me to go along with it? I don't know. I don't know, man. I think you would help them. (laughs) You just said you would help me. So, like, I'd help my friends, but (laughs) I wouldn't want to live with it the rest of my life, you know? Also, like, being with the killer. So would you write me off after? You would help me commit murder, and then you would just write me (laughs) off. But you can't write off the love of your life, so you wouldn't want him to commit murder? Yeah, I don't want my I don't want my boyfriend to commit murder. My friends can, but my boyfriend's not allowed. <laughs> okay, I, I mean at least you have standards. <laughs> what else happened this book? Did you like how she heard Robbie's voice when she was taken? Like it was like the Robbie in her head was telling her what to do, or would you have preferred her own voice? Okay, again, I feel like you think this is cute. I kind of got the impression that Pip was crazy. <laughs> no, I actually preferred, I would have preferred her own voice because of girl okay. empowerment. Why does she need a guy to get out of here? Like she used her own brain, like just use your own voice. And I think if she'd used her own voice and used her own brain, I wouldn't have thought she was quite as crazy. I really did get this sense that Pip had lost it. I mean, she's, she's, she's addicted to drugs. She's, um, hearing voices in her head and then her response to attacking the guy who attacked her is I need to cover this up and like freeze his body and then microwave his body so that it doesn't look like I killed him I really feel like she kind of snapped and lost it but I mean I could be wrong maybe she was thinking rationally I don't know though the voices in the head scared me just a little voices in the head I do think it's just like her internal voice and like she just disguises Robbie but I I mean I would have preferred her own voice because I don't know girl power like get yourself out of your situation. You, don't, you don't need a you don't need a king to what is it you don't need a knight to come and save you save yourself is what she essentially did she saved herself with her knowledge of murder and all these cases but also I don't think if I got to the woods I don't think I would have turned back no I the only thing I'm not sure about is how far the woods were from where he was because she did have the hammer I might have just hidden behind a tree and then if he'd come for me whacked him with the hammer just because it was getting dark and I would have been scared to like run through the woods but I definitely wouldn't have gone back and sought him out that was pretty aggressive (laughs) that was pretty brave yeah, like in a fight or flight situation, I think I would have ran. I would have flight. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just the thought of hitting somebody, I just don't know if I'm capable of doing. Also, on the context of hiding bodies, I texted my mom and said, if I had to hide a body, if I if I've committed murder, would you help me hide the body? Question, podcast question. Just to give her context to make sure she knows I didn't murder anybody. And she's like, I think I like to think I would, but I don't know. She goes, I would need to know the details. <laughs> So even my own mother wouldn't help me hide a body. God damn it. <laughs> so the details matter to your mom. So if she can justify it, she's down to help you hide a body. 
just just Monday night things. Team murder over here. Like I support Pip. <laughs> <laughs> I I support Pip, but again, it stresses me out knowing that she's probably always gonna have to look over her shoulder. Like anytime she hears sirens coming, she's gonna have to be like, "Did they figure it out? Am I in trouble?" And that just that kind of suffocates me a little. I guess it's another thing we'd want to know how the court case went. If the court case went smoothly, I wouldn't have that much worry. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. If there is like 100% proof pointing to Max and zero to Pip, I don't know if I'd beat that. Oh, it's over my shoulder the whole time. But there is no context of how the case goes. We don't get any of the after fact. We get that she goes to college, she isolates herself, and that max is in jail and like that's it and like end of story and it's like but how 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 long was the court case and also what what did max get sentenced to because he thought pip set him up so if he ever gets out he could come after her yeah he could i mean i think he would whenever he attacked her the police station it was bad yeah i liked that she said what she said to him though about you're lucky you're not in the ground too and only he could hear and I was like oh that's good now he knows she did it but he'll never be able to prove it yeah I I did love that moment when she's like I told you I'd get you she really thought everything through though almost too perfectly yeah I can't remember if it was Detective Hawkins or Daniel Da Silva but at the end one of them said oh the evidence is overwhelming Max did it and it's like well, Pip set it up that way. There's like literally everything will tie back to Max. So, uh, but even just like wearing his hat and hoodie and like uh, driving through cameras to show he was driving. I mean, she really did think of everything. And what was it also? Oh, calling of the lawyers. Oh, yeah. At the exact like 8.45. So they like track the time and... She just thought of legit everything, and I just know for a fact that I couldn't get away with murder. Like, I'm just not that smart. My books, like, these books are are my only source of knowledge of crime stuff, but I hope this book doesn't inspire anybody to get away with murder. I was actually thinking about that, too. I was, because I feel like you could have two reactions to this book. You could be inspired to try it yourself. I guess. Or you could be like me and be like, no, this seems really complicated and stressful. I would panic and probably just confess. So, you know, I'm hoping most people see that, like, it's probably not possible to get away with murder. And this is fantasy. The cover of the book makes sense to me now with the duct tape on it and the glass. Oh, oh, the duct tape. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I almost suffocated reading about her getting duct taped he put it over her eyes her ears her mouth and she just sat in a room I mean she didn't just sit in a room because she wanted to fight for her life but I would have been terrified just sitting in that room basically waiting to die the first half of the book was really good like I really wish she would have ran with the pip being like kind of stalked she like I feel like I would have rather pip find out who dt killer was before he DT killer got her yeah because she barely did any research like she did two interviews she she was in the lead like I would have rather had a full her full investigation of this mm-hmm. and then he gets her at the end yeah because she could have dragged that out so much more and she could have let us down 
so many paths of us thinking, oh, it's Daniel. Oh, it's uh, this guy. Oh, it's whoever. And instead, like, I mean, it literally happened in the first 40 to 50% of the book. Also, she completely forgot about the guy who confessed to being the DT killer until like the last 10 pages of the book, which I was like, you brought him up. And I thought that was going to be a part of the story. And then he dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, like I would have rather, I don't know, her free him and then no one knows who the DT killer is and then like it gets her like or things like that like I would have rather her because that part was it was on the edge of my seat and it was so good with the bluetooth person going to her computer and her speaker like it was so eerie it was reminding me of the first book and whenever she would get the text messages for the random numbers Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like whenever they were in the woods and someone was there, it reminded me of the first book how eerie it was, and that's uh-huh. how eerie the first half of the book was. And then after, after I was just anxious because she was literally trying to go with murder, and like anything could have gone wrong. And the also, fact that like she just like, it was like full circle that she was doing the things that she got mad at first book. Like she drugged Max Hastings, which I know Max Hastings yeah. deserved it. She did it with the exact drug that he used to rape Becca. It was just late, like full circle, which no, is cool, I know. but crazy. It was very cool. And that's why it makes me think the author knew what she was doing the whole time because she tied everything back to that first book. And she tied it all back to Andy Bell, literally explained this whole series with Andy Bell knew who the DT killer was. And that's why she took all the steps she took to try and escape. And the steps she took led to Max getting the drugs that he used to rape Becca and then Becca killing Andy. And then, you know, Pip, like it literally all connected back to Andy Bell. And I thought it was very cool, but also it's like very twisted. (laughs) I don't know. I guess she planned it from the start, but I would love to ask her. Like, I wish we could get her on this podcast. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we'll get an interview interview her soon there's probably interviews out there and I feel like anybody who reads this book is thinking the exact same thing oh like she's had to plan this all out because there was like a lot of clues from the first book the hairbrush and whenever uh Jason Bell responded to an alarm like there was things that was brought up that was brought up again I feel like Mm -hmm. book three relates to book one much more than book two did that's why I say book two kind of bridged the gap between book one and three But looking back on the whole series, book two really feels out of place with the whole child Brunswick thing and focusing on that because it just feels like its own separate story, whereas the first and third book are running parallel and then they join up and you're like, oh, (laughs) it all makes sense. Yeah, I I agree. Like the second book was very random stuff, like very random characters. And then, yeah. yeah, it felt there was just so many parallels. I also love the way she does the clues in the book where she like shows the maps and the emails in email format. Like, I don't know. I just like the way it's done. Yeah. They're just like really well designed books. Um, I, I agree. I'm curious to see what Holly Jackson does next. Cause I don't think there's any more to the series. I kind of hope there's not more Let's let the series be done, but I'm yeah. curious to what she does next. Cause I, I don't, hopefully don't think she's done. Yeah, so my Shadow and Ember, whatever it's called, book just arrived today. And I'm actually really mad because I got it off Amazon and some of the pages are definitely damaged. It looks like it kind of got smashed and the front cover is even creased in the corner just a little. 
I don't know if I should send it back or not because I don't know if they'll send me one that's any better but I'm definitely mad because I want to own all her books because they're so good well that's what happened with my throne of glass a collector's edition and I sent that one back because it was my collector's edition but I mean I guess it just depends if it's going to be back in time for you leaving on Sunday yeah Um, no I probably won't send it back right now like I'll read this copy and then make a decision (laughs) yeah true true I have my I have two sets of Akatar now hardcover for the new nerdy ink covers and now you bought me those older the first edition versions of and Ruin I could never complete the uh, collection because Akatar and Mist and Fury were $80 for the first edition of them and I'm just like I'm never going to spend that much money on a book like I, I mean I love Akatar but like I can so now I'm using the old version of those two and then the new version of the other three and just putting the nerdy ink covers on them yeah you're gonna get that when they drop on the first yeah I'm gonna get those in the Harry Potter ones I was trying to decide how many <laughs> which ones I'm gonna get because I really want the Lord of the Rings ones but I don't own those books in hardcover yet so but I wasn't sure if I should preemptively buy Lord of the Rings, also get the Harry Potter, and also get Akatar. I feel like the Lord of the Ring ones were never sold out, though. So I think you might have time. The Harry Potter ones and the Akatar ones will definitely be sold out in, like, a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, actually kind of nervous. I'm not going to be able to get them. Um, yeah. Because they, I just feel like everyone's on them. But I think they're reworking it, so they're going to just be doing more of these covers. But mm-hmm. I've been watching all of her videos when she was drawing Akatar. So I feel like I was on this journey with her. And they also have okay. the glass ones, so I need them next to him. But yeah, I need them. I love the Throne of Glass ones because they're white. I just don't know if I'm ever going to buy all the books in the series or not. That's my only thing. It was like an investment. I, that was like, it was my first time reading them. So that's why I did them. And you already have one in paperback. Mm-hmm. I currently have three sets of Akatar. <laughs> I have them in hardback twice and then I have paperback do you own any on your kindle uh yeah I might get another set of Akitar. like I want a copy that I read and then I want one that just sits on my shelf and looks nice we have a problem we just have a book buying addiction (laughs) we have a lot of new releases for this season I feel like yeah I think 56 was 56 Days is a new release. Shadow in the Ember, As Good as Dead. Um, the book you read for this season, episode one. I feel like Rum Breaker is pretty new too. It's a lot of new books, but a lot of like popular books. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we have a really good lineup. I'm really excited. Next book, next week we're reading November 9th by... Colleen Hoover, right? Yes. So I'm hoping it's a tragic love. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully um, it will be. Is there anything else to discuss about for Good Girls Got good, As Good As Dead considering we just went on a huge tangent about the books we're buying? The only other thing I was going to say was at the end of the book when Detective Hawkins, you know, finds her earplugs, her whatever they're called, in Jason Bell's house. I was so mad that he was like, ooh, gotcha. When it's kind of creepy that Jason Bell had her earphones in his bedside drawer. I would be more concerned about why a middle-aged man had her headphones. 
Yeah, I thought it was just dumb. What, what was Pip just hanging out in Jason Bell's bedroom? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Pip would have put her headphones in his bedside drawer if she was just visiting Jason Bell to kill him. So, you know, I was kind of just annoyed that Detective Hawkins made such a big deal about that. Also, like, did he think that Pip could kill Jason Bell in his house, put him in a car, drive him to this place and kill him there? Like, she is tiny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I was just annoyed in general because she left all the clues for Max Hastings and then Detective Hawkins was like, I'm going to ignore all these clues that tell me who did it and instead focus on your earphones. It's like, dude, her earphones have nothing to do with this. Yeah, I just hate Detective Hawkins. Like, I think conclusion, he's just an idiot. So what do you rate this book? Oh, I forgot you were going to ask me this. I think on Goodreads, I probably gave it a 4.3, but in all honesty, it was a 3.5 for me. Like it's a good book, good writing, and I like how she tied it all together. I just didn't see her vision and agree with it. Okay. Um, I probably gave it about the same. I was actually thinking like, yeah, 3.5 to 4. Yeah, I just, it didn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Her past books were, like, really bad. But then they, at the end, it was like, oh, it's okay. And, like, I was warm and fuzzy inside. There was none of that. It was just fear and anxiety and stress. And even to the last ending, I was like, like, what is going to happen? Yes. We've been on this journey with Pip. And we've we've watched her grow. And I hope she succeeds in college. And I hope Pip and her get (laughs) married. Pip and Robbie get married. And she reconnects with her family. Yeah. No, I I hope she has a happily ever after. And I hope she doesn't have to get away with murder ever again. (laughs) Yeah, let her be. (laughs) Let Pip be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We have a lot in store for y'all this season. I cannot wait for the rest of the books we're reading. Like, I don't think there's one book that I'm not looking forward to. Actually, maybe 56 days because I'm a little scared, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's not too long at least. So if you are scared, it'll be over quickly. True, true. But yes, so yeah, we're so excited for season three. Thank you for listening. This is Kayla. And Marissa. Have a good night. And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram and TikTok.